Today's scripture readings from Genesis chapter 50, verses 14 to 26. After burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. So they sent this message to Joseph before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin is for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I, am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. So Joseph and his brothers and their families continued to live in Egypt. Joseph lived to the age of 110. He lived to see three generations of descendants of his son Ephraim, and he lived to see the birth of the children of Manasseh's son Machir, whom he claimed as his own. Soon I will die, Joseph told his brothers, but God will surely come to help you and lead you out of this land of Egypt. He will bring you to the back, he will bring you back to the land he solemnly promised to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an, or, an oath, and he said, When God comes to you, comes to help you and lead you back, you must take my bones with you. So Joseph died at the age of 110. The Egyptians involved him, and his body was placed in a coffin in Egypt. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. And thanks, Ange, for, for reading the scripture to us this morning. While we're looking in the rearview mirror at August, how did that happen? Here we are, September, reality is hitting. We're back to school on Tuesday and back into routines. I had a brief conversation with my neighbor uh, the other day. Uh, he's the one who keeps me on my toes. Uh, he loves to take a jab at the Christian faith, and somehow he loves to take a jab at me. I don't know why you would want to do that. His language uh, is X-rated, but underneath all of it, I see a man who is lonely for the God that he so adamantly denies. Uh, he, of course, would deny that statement and saying, I'm not looking for God in my life, but I believe he really is. Uh, and I guess we're friends in kind of a weird way. Uh, we connect every once in a while. When I see him coming, I go, oh, no, here comes my neighbor. This time around, he, he took a charge at eternal life. He said, I suppose you're telling people all about eternal life these days. <laughs> I said, well, yes, in fact, I am. Isn't eternal life an amazing thing? You can have a life that goes on forever with God. Oh, he said, I think it's just a bunch of bunk. I said, well, I like it better than all of the alternatives. To think that this is it and we just die and there is no more just seems downright depressing. Well, that's what I think he says. That's why you got to give it all you got when you got a moment to do it. And you live this life, you live it to the full, and this is all there is, baby, so you better live it well. Well, at this point, I simply smile 
and know that he's already made the point. I don't need to put this any deeper into his heart. He gets it. The Holy Spirit is so good at doing this kind of work of reaching into people's hearts uh, in his way and in his time. So I want to encourage us this morning to just stay in there. If you're sharing with somebody in your life, just stay in there, share your love, share God's grace, and allow him to do his work in his time because he's faithful to do it. Well, we're rounding the bend and uh, we're coming home in our Joseph series this summer. My neighbor conversation really made me think of the theme of concluding well. Uh, It's been a delight for our preaching team to bring their understanding and their wisdom and their insights and their words from God. Norb and Adam and Quinn and, uh, you know, God has given us a wonderful team here at TCC. And I've appreciated each one's perspective and insights and wisdom. We all come at it a little differently and that's so rich. So thanks, team, for the pleasure of sharing our friend Joseph uh, together over these past 12 weeks. What landed in my heart after reading the concluding chapters, yeah, they gave me the last number of chapters uh, to wrap it all up into one. Uh, We have to cut a huge swath this morning, huge swath, about four or five big chapters in one shot. And uh, that's okay. What landed in my heart was that the truth that uh, overall, the thesis, God leads, that God leads. And it's always the best pathway when God is leading. Amen? It's always the best pathway when you know God is leading. And God has been leading in the Joseph saga. God is leading. He's leading in our decisions. God is leading in our decisions. There's a very touching moment, you remember, when Joseph discloses who he is. He tells them, I am Joseph. And the intense weeping just consumes him. And you remember that vivid scene. He says, I am Joseph. I'm your brother. And he assures them that God is in this whole thing. You know, it's hard to receive forgiveness when you have, cre- uh, uh, when you have committed a grievous sin. But Joseph assures them that all is well. That somehow God was in all of this. And he assures them of that. And then Joseph is ready for the next step. Do you remember? Joseph is always thinking ahead. He's a leader. It would be wonderful, he thought, to have his whole family come to Egypt where he would be close to them and, uh, and they would be safe from the next five years of aggressive famine because the famine is going to get even more intense. And so the plan is put into motion The brothers return to their father and they share the good news that Joseph is still alive, they told him. And he, in fact, is the governor of all of the land of Egypt. And Jacob, it says, was stunned at the news. He couldn't believe it. But then they repeated everything to Joseph, to to Jacob, that Joseph had said. And when he saw the wagons that had come back with this bountiful produce from the land of Egypt... Uh, his father's spirit, it says, revived. And then Jacob exclaimed, it must be true, my son Joseph is alive, I must go and see him before I die. Purpose statement of his life now. I must go and see him before I die. Maybe the New Living Translation is a bit soft. 
on this translation. It says Jacob was stunned at the news that Joseph was alive. Another translation, the NET, any, the New English translation, his heart fainted. Or another, that his heart grew numb. I mean, maybe he had a mild coronary. He was very old. He's well over 100 years old. Actually, he's 130 years old. And this is his favorite son. I hate to even say that. He is so glad to see him. I mean, it's unbelievable when you think that somebody's been dead for 25 years. Imagine your own daughter, your son, you thought was dead for 25 years, nearly 25 years, and suddenly you hear the news that all of those years he was alive. I mean, how do you process it? How would your heart handle it? So it says he caught a second wind. His spirit revived. He's working hard with this truth. Can it be true? And when he calibrates it all, there's only one thing worth doing before he concludes his hard life. He must see Joseph before he dies. He must see him before he dies. Now, friends, we can't bypass, if you're following along in the text, uh, we're in chapter 46 now. You can't bypass the first few verses of chapter 46 because we can't afford to miss the leading of God. Remember how God was leading his covenant people to Canaan through Abraham and then through Isaac and then through Jacob. It was a call into the land. But now Jacob understands that in going to Egypt, they are leaving the land. They're leaving the land of Canaan. And what does God think about that? I mean, is this in his plan? Doesn't God want to establish his people in Canaan? How many of you are in the midst of making uh, some pretty hefty decisions in your life these days? Some big ones. They, they might take you out of this land. They might relocate you to another part of the country or another part of the world. They might take you to a different career. They might take you to a whole new beginning in your life. How do you process it all? First thing, God, where are you in this? What's up here? What are you doing? How are you leading? I don't want to go anywhere that you're not leading. And the fact that God was going to do a great thing in the land of Canaan, and here we are, God seems to be moving him out of that land and taking to a foreign land, the land of Egypt. What is this, God? I thought our call was into Egypt, or into, into Canaan. God, what are you doing? I know, and don't, don't you wonder at times how God is working and how he is leading? Paul was a, a bit mystified at times when he was on his missionary journeys because the Lord would close one door and he would open another door. He would say, don't go into Bithynia, not now, it's not the timing, I want you to go over here. And then this man from Macedonia is saying, come on over here, come on over here. And Paul obeys that and knows it's the leading of the Lord. And that's the door that opens into, the, into Europe. And it's all, a whole new beginning uh, to missions in Europe. And God was going to do a new thing in Europe. Had Paul not been sensitive to the leading of God, he would have missed God's direction. Mark Batterson uh, wrote a very fine book called The Power of a Whisper. Got it on the screen again. Please write it down. Please, uh, if you get a moment, buy that book. 
and read it. It'll bless your life so thoroughly. Uh, really worth your time to read it. Uh, he writes that God has an outside voice and an inside voice. I like that. He has an out vo- outside voice like creation, like the voice of an earthquake or the voice of a beautiful sunset. But he says when God wants to be heard, then what he has to say is too important to miss. He often speaks in a whisper, just above the absolute threshold of hearing. His whisper is gentle, but nothing is more powerful. You have to lean in to hear a whisper. And that's the point of a whisper. You have to lean in to hear a whisper. You don't hear the whispers when you're moving with great haste. And Jacob is asking God about Egypt. Do we have this right, Lord? Are you leading us here? And it's encouraging to see old Jacob still walking with God. Here's a bit of confession. I realized as I was thinking about this that my heart feels a lot closer to Joseph than it does to Jacob. Have you ever thought about that? I, I found, find myself feeling a little frustrated with Jacob, but never with Joseph. Sorry, just my own processing. But I, I maybe just don't understand Jacob as much as I should. Or I have a hard time allowing him to be human while at the same time being such a man of God. I mean, isn't that true for the people in your life that are, you're close to? On one hand, they're real people of God and the next moment they are oh so human. True of all of us, isn't it? True of all of us. We are all so human and yet all trying to walk with God. I do love that about Jacob though that he still wants to hear God. And he still wants to do the right thing. It says God spoke to him at Beersheba not long after they started their journey to Egypt. Listen. During the night, God spoke to him in a vision. Jacob, Jacob. Oh, I just want to kind of say Samuel there. It sounds very much like Samuel. Samuel, Samuel. No, it says, Jacob, Jacob, he called. Here I am, Joseph replied. I am God, the God of your father, the voice said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make your family into a great nation. I will go with you down to Egypt, and I will bring you back again. You will die in Egypt, but Joseph will be with you to close your eyes. Oh, friends, what a gift to hear from God. What a gift that was. Jacob hearing God's voice. Most, if not all of us, have had to make some major moves in the course of our normal, everyday lives. Mark and I moved to Edmonton, just thinking about this, 40 years ago. Not exact to the month, but 40 years ago, uh, we moved to Edmonton. And we thought, only here for a few years, probably, and then who knows, on to somewhere else. But we believe we heard the voice of God, and we moved. And what better place on the planet to spend 40 years than Edmonton? (laughs) I heard skepticism over here. 
When you move, you initially feel some insecurity. When we moved, I felt my body was here, but my heart came in the mail about six months later. It just takes a while to feel at home. Pulling up roots in one place and moving to a brand new place can be adventuresome, but also a little bit intimidating and fearful. I mean, how will I fit in? I think of Tuesday, trying to find a school. Maybe some of you are going to be the new kid in your grade in a new school. Yeah, don't feel badly if you're a little intimidated by that, because that's, that's intimidating until you kind of get in the routine and say, oh, I'm okay here. Last week over at Southwest, we talked about going back to school. And it was a week too early to talk about it. And we got some nasty looks from teachers who didn't want to be reminded. Some of the students were growling at me. And... But settling into your neighborhood, settling into a new job, settling into a new place of employment can be nerve-wracking. You want to do just everything right. That's why for Jacob to hear God and to know that God approves of the move that he is making was just absolutely huge. The assurance that God is with us as we venture forth into something new is very important. What could be more important in all of your life to know that God is leading you? I'm sure Jacob wondered in his heart if his family would be swallowed up in Egypt. Don't we wonder that when we move to a new place? How, how will things go for our family? Will they lose their heritage? Will they lose their distinctiveness? Will they lose their call from God? Would the boys, the brothers drift away from one another? If they move to Egypt, will they become a nation within a nation? And God, how is that from you? Are we going to live to regret this? Pretty good to be flexible and open and listening, even when you're 130 years of age. I say, I say this to all of us as we grow older, because we're all growing older, especially, but I say in the late, latter decades of life, stay flexible. Stay open. Keep learning. Keep growing. Don't hang up the cleats and say, I'm no longer useful to God. You are. God wants to use you if you're just open. He's got a lot for you yet. And Jacob got up on those wagons and he endured the bumpy ride all the way to Egypt. I mean, oh, they didn't have shock absorbers on those wagons. And I estimate it's about 700 miles. I'm just doing the math here roughly. If they did 20 miles a day, that's, a, that's 30 days, 35 days in traveling from Canaan to Egypt. Oh, man. Uh, my, my, the, my impression of Jacob goes up a long ways. He wasn't afraid of a challenge. What is critical in his heart was that God is leading. I mean, and if God is leading, bring on the challenges. Bring on the new sights and sounds and adventures of a new country. It is so different. Hey, Look who's got a good attitude now. Dad has a good attitude. I'm beginning to feel a little closer to Jacob. Finally, father and son meet. Joseph, it says, prepared his chariot and traveled to Goshen to meet his father, Jacob. When Joseph arrived, he embraced his father and he wept. 
holding for him for a long time. Oh, can't you see this? Finally, Jacob said to Joseph, now I'm ready to die since I've seen your face again and I know you're still alive. What a tender moment, a, a long embrace, lots of tears, and father and son are reunited after all these years. It must have been amazing looking at one another, weeping with one another, then laughing with one another, and then weeping again and celebrating the next moment. What could be better? What was there left for Jacob to say other than, this is the best day of my life. I'm now ready to die. I could die. God is leading. The road is never simple or straightforward, is it? Not in this world. It's complicated. The old song, I didn't promise you a rose garden. But on the other hand, what a transforming road. If you follow it and you have God's leading, what a transforming road. God took a tough road and made it into a highway of grace and love and forgiveness. That's our God. A grand reunion for all of Jacob's family. Friends, you know what? There's, there's, another, there's another great reunion just ahead. We're all looking forward to it one day. It's the final, ultimate reunion that is the hope of all of us. The songwriter says, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair, when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. How many recognize that old song? Six or seven or eight? <laughs> God is leading and giving us direction. Secondly, God is leading us forward. A young man was overheard making a phone call. The young man spoke into the phone. He said, sir, could you use an honest, hardworking, capable employee? The young man asked that question. He said, no. He said, you can't. Oh, you already have one? Well, thanks anyway, he said, and he hung up. As he turned away, he was smiling. He began to whistle his way back to his car. And the guy that was listening in, he said, young man, I couldn't help overhearing you. Uh, am I right in thinking that you, got, you just got turned down for a job? Yep. Friend the fellow. So what have you got to smile about? What have you got to be so happy about? Well, he said, uh, because I'm the honest, hardworking, capable employee they already have. I was just checking up on my job. <laughs> Do we all want to be valued? We all want to make a difference in the world. And before we leave this planet, we all want to take the next steps that God wants us to take. We want to go forward. We all want to go forward. We want to go forward as a church. We want to move out. We want to be involved in kingdom work. And it means walking with Jesus, which, by the way, is the theme of our next sermon series as we open the pages of the Gospel of Mark starting next Sunday. Hey, join us. Join us in reading the Gospel of Mark. Begin to read Mark. If you're wondering where to go next in your quiet time, start to read in the Gospel of Mark. And if you get some amazing revelations, some God insights, email us. We want to know. We want the richness of what God is doing in your heart to get shared with others. So I'm already getting excited about how God wants to whisper to us in the coming series. What can you do when you're 130 years old? What can you do? Well, 130 is a little out of our scope. There's nobody here this morning that's 130. 
I don't know if there's anybody in the world that's 130. But whatever age, you can do what your health permits you to do. Two things for sure you can do. You can pray and you can bless. You know who the first person was that Jacob blessed? You know who it was? It was Pharaoh. It was Pharaoh. He blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh gave the best of Egypt to Jacob and his family. Wasn't that generous? He gave the very best, the land of Goshen. And Joseph was proud of Pharaoh. Pharaoh was proud of Joseph. But Joseph wanted his dad to meet Pharaoh. And Joseph blessed Pharaoh. Listen to this. How old are you? Pharaoh asked him. Uh, Personal question. How old are you? Jacob replied, I have traveled this earth for 130 hard years. Well, look at the qualifier. But my life has been short compared to the lives of my ancestors. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh again before leaving his court. I love it that Jacob blessed a leader from another country, a powerful leader nonetheless, probably the most powerful leader in the world at the time, And Jacob blessed him twice. Simple question. Who do you have in your life that you can bless? They may not be followers of Christ, but you can bless them. You can encourage them. You can remind them that you're praying for them. And you know, friends, with an election just around the corner, I always dread this about elections. There will be more than enough of negativity. What if we turned the negativity into prayer for our country? What if we just shot off a note and and reminded our politicians that they're in our prayers? Not all the negative stuff. They're in our prayers. We can bless the community as we're trying to do Friday night. We can bless our community league. You say, how do I bless people in my life? Oh, what do I add to their lives? Maybe if you're a teacher, you could bless your principal by saying to her or to him, I'm praying for you as I lead this year. That would, that would be awesome. Maybe you could say to your child, this year as you head off to school, I want you to know that mom or dad is praying for you every day. Our prayers are with you. Maybe as an employer, you could find a way to bless your employees. Maybe you take the time to send a little note and say, I noticed the extra that you went through, that you did, and I just appreciate that. What does it cost? A blessing will bring many blessings. Do you know who else Jacob blessed? It says, one day not long after this, word came to Joseph, your father is failing rapidly. So Joseph went to visit his father, and he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And he blessed Joseph... And his two sons, Jacob understood that God had a plan that was beyond his capacity to comprehend and that the sons of Joseph, Manasseh and Ephraim, fit into that plan. They became part of the 12 tribes. He had it in his heart that God was going to bless his family and he was going to use them in great ways and that Joseph's sons were to be added to the family. So critical. And so before he died, he blessed them. And then it says he blessed all of his boys, 
all the brothers. And he had a specific word for each one. These are the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is what their father said as he told his sons goodbye. He blessed each one with an appropriate message. He blessed each one with an appropriate message. What if we all took that verse seriously this fall? What if we said, who are the people in my life that I might be able to bless with an appropriate message? What does someone in my family need? Lord, who would you like me to bless today? Would you give me an awareness that when the moment is right, would you give me the freedom to say a word of encouragement, a word of blessing? I'm shy. Let me just overcome that shyness and and be forthright and say it. So God is leading us forward. And part of forward is is to be our, the the Jacob, uh, or his new name was Israel. His new name was Israel. Friends, uh, I said I didn't feel as close to Joseph as, uh, Jacob as to Joseph, but But when I see some of this happening, I begin to retract some of my critical words. What does it say? These are the 12 tribes of Israel. This man has been the agent of God's activity. And strange as it may seem, his memory lives on today. For those who, I mean, for all of us, you you just can't help but listen to the news. I mean, once a week you'll probably hear the nation of Israel mentioned on the TV. Be Israel to the people around you and just bring your awesome blessing to hearts that are desperate for some support and love and blessing. So be in the news. Be in the news with your love and your kindness and your blessing. Then finally, God is leading us to new beginnings. After the Battle of Egypt in 1942, Winston Churchill said, You remember these words, this is not the end, it is not even the beginning of the end, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. Remember those words? It is perhaps the end of the beginning. There's still quite a journey for the people of God to inhabit Egypt and then finally go back home. And so you know the story that Jacob died, his family escorted his body back to to Canaan there to bury Joseph. And all of his brothers were there and a great procession, all the families. It was just a huge procession that went back to bury, to bury Jacob. This week, uh, uh, I went to the ophthalmologist. And I left my book. Um, I, I'm reading the book, a book called Joseph by Jean Getz. And the title is Joseph. It's huge. So I, I, I left it on the chair, and uh, then I went into the chair where you lay back, and, and the nurse came along, and she looked at that book, and she picked it up. She said, that's the Old Testament, eh? I said, yeah. All right. Moses? I said, well, just before Moses, just before Moses. Yeah. You know the story, don't you? Because I could tell. Uh, she, she's thinking... Then the doctor came in, he did his thing, and then he looked at the book, and he picked it up, Joseph. He said, you know the story, because I knew his background, his roots, he's Israeli. And uh, I was able to tell him a little bit about this story of Joseph, and of course I knew he knew. So it was an interesting discussion. So Israel's roots, you know, spread out. 
around the globe. And I want to I close with the reminder that when God does a work of transformation in our lives, it is done. Don't try to undo it. And don't allow the enemy to snatch away the joy of your salvation. His work is complete through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see, the brothers got real fearful after their dad died. Why? Because they thought that Joseph might turn on them in full force now that dad was was gone. Maybe Joseph had been holding back, but now the guns were going to come out. And Joseph could settle the score. You might be here this morning. It's so easy to think that maybe God doesn't love me. He loves everybody else, but I I don't feel like it. Maybe he doesn't forgive me. Maybe he won't forgive me. It's so awesome to know who God is. His character, the fact that he never changes. Look at these verses. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin is treating you... So cruelly. So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. Look at this. When Jacob received the message, he broke down and wept. It's like all my brothers are still there. They still don't really believe. And then his brothers came and they threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Friends, isn't that awesome? Don't you see Jesus and Joseph? Joseph embodies that love and grace and forgiveness that we find in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Joseph wept when they said this to him because they hadn't completely believed what he had said earlier. Joseph had years ago moved past any vengeance. It wasn't in his heart any longer. It wasn't in his thinking any longer because he understood the bigger sovereign plan of God. Big picture, big picture. God is beyond our crazy squabbles. God is over all of our personal conflicts. God is beyond our pain. He's Lord of all. And Joseph long ago got the big picture. Friends, I just say this this morning. If you're here, if you have a hard time receiving the forgiveness of God, I just suggest you read over and over again these words and let them slowly move to your heart. The words of Joseph. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. Hear Jesus saying that to you. Don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. May you hear the Holy Spirit say that in your heart today. We have the joy of coming around the table this morning. Maybe your heart is saying, oh no, communion. I, uh, I feel like my life hasn't measured up. God, I've fallen so short. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. That's grace. That's love. 
Jesus says to you, I know you. I love you. I call you to my heart today. Don't run away. Just know that you're my child. And I want to bless you. And I want to love you. And I want to remind you that I paid the price for you. You are safe with me. Come. And let's fellowship together. Let's pray. Lord, we hear those words today with gratitude that you love us and you care for us. And as we come to this table this morning, we ask your blessing as we fellowship with you and feel your nearness and express our love to you for all that you've done for us through Jesus Christ, our Lord.